It's the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have a message from our service this morning at North Shore Vineyard. This is called Finding Hope in Troubled Times. I think this is a message that we all need to hear. And it's really based around Psalm 42, which was actually read during the music portion of our worship service this morning. So that scripture itself is not on this recording, but I would recommend that you pick up your Bible and give it a read through a a time or two uh, before or after you listen to this message. But another note on this message, it starts off with a poem from Bob Dylan called Last Thoughts on Woody Guthrie, which was recorded back in April of 1963. So that's the first few minutes of this. Uh, Let's head to the talk, North Shore Vineyard, downtown Covington. There's this book coming out, and they asked me to write uh, something about Woody. Uh, sort of like, what does Woody Guthrie mean to you in 25 words? And, uh, and I couldn't do it. I wrote out five pages, and uh, I have it here. It's a, I have it here by accident, actually. <laughs> but but I, I'd, I'd like to say this out loud. So... Uh, you can sort of roll along with this thing here. This is called Last Thoughts on Woody Guthrie. Um, When your head gets twisted and your mind grows numb, when you think you're too old, too young, too smart, or too dumb, when you're lagging behind and losing your pace in a slow-motion crawl or life's busy race, no matter what you're doing, if you start giving up, if the wine don't come to the top of your cup, if the wind got you sideways with one hand holding on and the other starts slipping and the feeling is gone, and your train engine fire needs a new spark to catch it, and the wood's easy finding, but you're lazy to fetch it. And your sidewalk starts curling, and the street gets too long, and you start walking backwards so you know that it's wrong, and lonesome comes up as down goes the day, and tomorrow's morning seems so far away, and you feel the reins from your pony are slipping, and your rope is a-sliding because your hands are dripping, and your sun-desert and evergreen valleys turn to broken-down slums and trash-can alleys. And your sky cries water, and your drain pipes are pouring, and the lightnings are flashing, and the thunders are crashing, and the windows are rattling and breaking, and the rooftops are shaking, and your whole world is slamming and banging. And your minutes of sun turn to hours of storm, and to yourself you sometimes say, I never knew it was going to be this way. Why didn't they tell me the day I was born? And you start getting chills, and you're jumping from sweat, and you're looking for something you ain't quite found yet. And you're knee-deep in dark water with your hands in the air, and the whole world's watching with the window peaks staring. And your good gal leaves, and she's long gone a-flying, and your heart feels sick like fish when they're frying. And your jackhammer falls from your hands to your feet, but you need it badly and it lays on the street. And your bell's banging loudly, but you can't hear its beat. And you think your ears might have been hurt, or your eyes have turned filthy from the slight binding dirt. And you figured you failed in yesterday's rush, and you were faked out and fooled while facing the four-flush. And all the time you're holding three queens. It's making you mad, it's making you mean, like in the middle of Life magazine, bouncing around a pinball machine. And there's something on your mind that you want to be saying, that somebody someplace ought to be hearing. But it's trapped on your tongue, sealed in your head, and it bothers you badly when you're laying in bed. And no matter how you try, you just can't say it, and you're scared to your soul, you just might forget it. And your eyes get sony from the tears in your head, and your pillows of feathers turn to blankets of lead, and the lion's mouth opens, and you're staring at his teeth, and his jaws start closing with you underneath, and you're flat on your belly with your hands tied behind, and you wish you'd never taken that last detour sign. You say to yourself, just what am I doing? On this road I'm walking, on this trail I'm turning. 
on this curve I'm hanging, on this pathway I'm strolling, in the space I'm taking, in this air I'm inhaling. Am I mixed up too much or mixed up too hard? Why am I walking? Where am I running? What am I saying? What am I knowing on this guitar I'm playing, on this banjo I'm feeling, on this mandolin I'm strumming, in a song I'm singing, in a tune I'm humming, in the words that I'm thinking, in the words I'm writing. In this ocean of hours I'm all the time drinking. Who am I helping? What am I breaking? What am I giving? What am I taking? But you try with your whole soul best never to think these thoughts and never to let them kind of thoughts gain ground or make your heart pound. But then again, you know when they're around, just waiting for a chance to slip and drop down. Because sometimes you hear them in the nighttime come creeping and you fear they might catch you sleeping. And you jump from your bed from the last chapter of dreaming and you can't remember for the best you're thinking if that was you in a dream that was screaming. And you know that's something special you're needing. You know there's no drug that'll do for the healing and no liquor in the land to stop your brain from bleeding. You need something special. You need something special, all right. You need a fast-flying train on a tornado track to shoot you someplace and shoot you back. You need a cyclone wind on a steam engine howler that's been banging and booming and blowing forever that knows your troubles a hundred times over. You need a greyhound bus that don't bar no race that won't laugh at your looks, your voice, or your face and buying a number of bets in the book will be rolling long after the bubblegum craze. You need something to open up a new door to show you something you've seen before but overlooked a hundred times or more. You need something to open your eyes. You need something to make it known that it's you and no one else that owns that spot that you're standing, that space that you're sitting, that the world ain't got you beat. It ain't got you licked. It can't get you crazy no matter how many times you might get kicked. You need something special, all right. You need something special to give you hope. But hope's just a word that maybe you said, maybe you heard on some windy corner around a wide-angled curve. But that's what you need, man, and you need it bad. And your trouble is you know it too good, because you look and you start getting the chills, because you can't find it on a dollar bill, and it ain't on Macy's windowsill. And it ain't on a real rich kid's road map, and it ain't made in no fat kid's fraternity house, and it ain't made in no Hollywood wheat germ, and it ain't on that dim-lit stage with that half-wit comedian on it, ranting and raving and taking your money, and you think it's funny. Now you can't find it neither in no nightclub, no yacht club, and it ain't in the seats of a supper club, and sure as hell you're bound to tell, no matter how hard you rub, you just ain't gonna find it on your ticket stub. No, it ain't in the rumors people are telling you, and it ain't in the pimple lotion people are selling you, and it ain't in the cardboard box house or down in any movie star's blouse, and you can't find it on the golf course. And Uncle Remus can't tell you, and neither can Santa Claus. And ain't in the cream puff hairdo or cotton candy clothes. It ain't in the dime store dummies and bubblegum goons. And ain't in the marshmallow noises of the chocolate cake voices that come knocking and tapping in Christmas rapping, saying, ain't I pretty and ain't I cute? Look at my skin. Look at my skin shine. Look at my skin glow. Look at my skin laugh. Look at my skin cry when you can't even sense it. They've got any insides, these people so pretty in their ribbons and bows. Now you'll not now no other day find it on the doorsteps made of paper mache and inside with the people made of molasses that every other day buy a new pair of sunglasses and they in the fifty star generals and flipped out phonies who turn you in for a tenth of a penny who breathe and burp and bend and crack and before you can count from one to ten do it all over again but this time behind your back my friend the ones that wheel and deal and whirl and twirl and play games with each other in the sandbox world you can't find it either in the no-talent fools that run around gallant and make all the rules for the ones that got talent. And ain't the ones that ain't got any talent but think they do and think they're fooling you. The ones that jump on the wagon just for a while because they know it's in style. To get their kicks, get out of it quick and make all kinds of money and chicks. And you yell to yourself and you throw down your hat saying, Christ, do I got to be like that? Ain't there no one here that knows where I'm at? Ain't there no one here that knows how I feel? Good God Almighty, that stuff ain't real. No, but that ain't your game. It ain't your race. You can't hear your name. You can't see your face. You got to look some other place. And where do you look for this hope that you're seeking? Where do you look for this lamp that's burning? Where do you look for this oil while gushing? Where do you look for this candle that's glowing? Where do you look for this hope that you know is there and out there somewhere? And your feet can only walk down two kinds of roads. 
Your eyes can only look through two kinds of windows. Your nose can only smell two kinds of hallways. You can touch and twist and turn two kinds of doorknobs. You can either go to the church of your choice or you go to Brooklyn State Hospital. You find God in the church of your choice. You find Woody Guthrie in Brooklyn State Hospital. I know it's only my opinion. I may be right or wrong. You find them both in Grand Canyon, sundown. Today I I want to talk about hope. And as I was preparing for my message, I was reminded about that poem. I heard it the first time when I was about 18 years old, and I thought, huh, this is is good. 28 years later, I think I understand it a little, though. (laughs) I understand it. You know, Bob Dylan was sharing thoughts about Woody Guthrie, but he's really not just sharing thoughts about Woody Guthrie. He's sharing thoughts about hope and misplaced hope. You know, we, we are offered stuff by marketers and advertisers. You know, the, the pimple lotion people are selling you. <laughs> uh, we are constantly drawn back and forth thinking that if we just find the right person, if we just find the right job, if we just accumulate the right kinds of possessions, if we just get to the right place in the social hierarchy, then it will answer the thing on the inside of us. But you've probably had the experience before where you finally got the thing that you wanted and you realized, what was it the Beatles said? You know, we went to the top of the mountain, there ain't nothing there. You know, you spend your life hoping and chasing after something But you make the mistake of thinking that that thing, whatever it is, can answer the longing in your soul. Bob Dylan says, hope is what you need. You need something to give you hope. You need it, and you need it bad. Where do you get this hope? You know, last weekend in my Easter message, I I mentioned how when you encounter truth, It's something of resonance on the inside. It's like the disciples on the road to Emmaus where you feel your heart burning within you. We've all had that experience sometimes, haven't you? You may have had it this morning in worship. It sounded like somebody reading uh, a particular scripture was having an encounter with hope and truth. We have these encounters. Sometimes we have them in church taking communion, singing worship songs, reading the scriptures together. You have moments where your heart is stirred, and it's not mere inspiration. It's something much deeper. But, you know, here's the thing. It's not confined to church. I love the way Bob Dylan ends this poem. He says, where are you going to find this hope? Well, you can find it in the church of your choice. That's true. But oftentimes we encounter truth in transcendent experiences outside of the walls of religion. You know, I, I got to, I consider Jazz Fest, it's a, it's a bit of a spiritual experience for me. And I, I, w- I took my son Ezra to Jazz Fest on Friday because he plays tuba and he plays the electric guitar. And there was lots of brass bands and lots of good guitar players. But I was a little disappointed most of the day. It was hot. There's a whole lot of people. took a long time to get in there. Tickets are a lot more expensive than they were a few years ago. But then Santana came on stage. And there was one moment where 
It was just so beautiful. You could tell the guys up there on stage, they're not just all about their egos. You could tell they love one another. You could tell that they were there to help people have an experience that would alleviate their fears and their anxieties, that they would experience something that connects us all together. And there was one moment where I don't even remember what they were playing, but I just found myself in tears just by the beauty of it, by the connection with everybody out there, by the music being served up. And it was like the, the, the barriers were down. You get those moments, you realize you can be a little hopeful. For all the junk in this world, you can be a little hopeful. I looked over at Ezra, I said, you notice, I want you to pay attention to what's going on here, son. What you're experiencing is something spiritual. It's bigger than just music. And these guys get it. A lot of the bands we heard today don't get that. They just treat music as a commodity. You can find God in the church of your choice. You can experience God in a song, in a conversation, in a relationship. But I love where he goes at the end of this poem. He says, it's only my opinion. I may be right or wrong, but you find them both at the Grand Canyon at sundown. Any of y'all been to the Grand Canyon before? Yeah, we got to go to the Grand Canyon a couple of years ago. And going to the Grand Canyon is a very different experience than going to some of the other national parks that you see. I love going to national parks, but Grand Canyon is kind of like a pilgrimage. It's kind of a spiritual thing. And here's what happens when you get to the Grand Canyon. I, I didn't notice any signs that said, no talking and, you know, low, loud music. You don't need those signs. Because what do people do? They come up to the edge of the canyon and they just get quiet. And they start talking in hushed tones. Like, look at that, babe. It's so beautiful. Nobody's telling you, shut up. It's, you don't have to. It's a big hole in the ground And yet, standing there, you experience awe and wonder. Probably the most powerful emotion you can experience next to love itself is awe and wonder. And we've about squeezed awe and wonder out of our world through technology and science, and we got everything figured out. We got no time for awe and wonder but the, the thing that, I, and I think the reason why people come to a place like the Grand Canyon and why it's, it's almost like a sacred place to people without any mention of being sacred, it's, everybody just kind of knows it. Looking down at this big hole, <laughs> you feel small. The good kind of small. You know, you may have people in your life that make you feel small in a bad way. You don't matter. You're insignificant. You got nothing to offer. Or, or who only value you for what you bring to the table. You are a means to their end. They objectify you. That's a bad small. Kind of small you feel at the Grand Canyon is like, wow, there's a much bigger world, a much bigger reality than I'm in. You know, you can read about something that, that this phenomenon that the that they noticed with astronauts back in the sixties, the first ones who went into space and got to see Earth from out there. How cool would that be? 
I mean, we can watch, we can see pictures of it now, but imagine like being the people who got up there before there was any pictures. Imagine being the guy that got to take the picture out the window. And they noticed this phenomenon from astronauts that went out into space and saw the Earth. They call it the overview effect. You can look this up. And it's just, it was life-changing. Just seeing Earth from outside the Earth is like, wow, pretty amazing. Even Carl Sagan, the uh, host of Nova back in the day, he, he released, re, re, released a video you can watch called Pale Blue Dot. And it's looking at Earth from, from I believe it's from the moon. And he's like, man, we got this magnificent ball of rock and mud and water floating out in the middle of the universe. This beautiful, spectacular thing. Why do we fight over everything? Why do we make things so big? We're, we're small, and yet we're significant. I think where Bob Dylan's going at the end of this poem is really getting down to the, to the ground of being, so to speak, the God that holds it all together. Yes, you can find God in church. You can find God in a song. But there's something about going outside into God's creation where you experience creation itself testifying of God. Dina read a scripture here today, Psalm 42, which kind of picks up for me where Bob Dylan's poem left off. As a deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts for you, God. My soul is thirsty for God, for the living God. As a songwriter, I'm pretty confident that I know how this guy wrote that song. He went outside. Maybe he was outside because uh, he was on the run. Oftentimes you read psalms that were written by guys that were on the run for their life. Things weren't going well. Perhaps... His job was outside. Perhaps he was a shepherd like David. This was not one of David's psalms, but perhaps he was a shepherd and he's just working outside. Or maybe he felt something in him saying, you got to get away from the distractions in your life and go out into the desert wilderness. It's an interesting thing. The prophets throughout the Old Testament, even up into the New Testament with, with John the Baptist and even Jesus himself, They always started out in the desert. They always started out in the wilderness. And I, for whatever reason, this guy ended up out there in the wilderness. He sat down and he started to pay attention. I really, I'm, I'm convinced most of spirituality is just freaking paying attention, people. We try to make it all hard with a bunch of formulas. It's just like, like, pay attention, pay attention. What's going on around you? You might learn something right in front of you. This guy's sitting down, probably in the afternoon, and a deer comes down to the brook, and that deer just begins to drink and drink and drink. It's desperate for water. And right there in that moment, creation itself is testifying to him of the the, the reality that holds us all together. And he says, that's it, God. That's me. That deer is me. But, But I'm not thirsty just for water. I'm thirsty for God, the living God. 
What's interesting is he moves from that into reflecting over his life. I find, you know, Psalm 42, this is, this is just a picture of, of really, I, I, I relate to it so much. Sometimes in life, I'm, I'm so anxious and depressed. You know, when I, I go through periods of anxiety and depression, uh, I'm, I'm sure everybody goes through that at points, and some more than others. But you know what it feels like? It feels like the walls are closing in on you. It feels like darkness is moving in. You can't see much other than what's immediately in front of you. And that which you see in front of you, you magnify. Things are bad and they're only going to get worse. This is going to take you down. This is going to be the end of you. And it becomes suffocating. It becomes a burden. And you, can, you, you, you feel like all your freedom is gone. You have no choice. Sometimes in that moment, you don't need a Bible study. <laughs> You don't need a church service. You don't need to just go distract yourself with Netflix or whatever. You need to go outside and meet God and his good creation. And that's where this psalmist starts. He says, man, tears have been my food day and night. As these voices keep saying, where is your God? You ever hear that voice in your head? <laughs> I thought you were a Christian. Where is your God? Where is this God that you keep saying you believe in? And that only feels more isolating. But then he begins to reflect over his life. He says, I remember. I remember a day when I used to go to the house of the Lord with everybody else with joy and singing. I remember experiencing God with the festive throng going to the temple. I remember that. I remember Mount Mizar. We don't know what happened on Mount Mizar, but something happened in this guy's life, and he encountered God, and he's bringing that to remembrance. When he gets to the end of the psalm, he, he says, My soul is downcast within, well, that's not exactly what he said. At the end of the psalm, he says, By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? You see this tension back and forth. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. But where are you? <laughs> it sounds a bit back and forth, but we see hope emerging. And he finally gets down to the last line of this. He says, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you depressed? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet... Praise him, my Savior and my God. I know there's a lot of different reasons. Some people suffer depression and anxiety because it's physiological and you got to take medicine. Hey, no problem with that. But even if you do take medicine, we, you know, that can alleviate some symptoms. But I know in my own life, a lot of my depression and anxiety is because I put hope in the creation rather than the creator. You know, that's all idolatry really is. 
Isn't it an interesting thing that in the temple, God forbid idols, you know? Because God can't be represented by any idol. There is no metaphor. We can, we can get at certain aspects of God and say God is like this and like that. But the reason God couldn't be represented with an idol is any idol that you make of God immediately lowers your understanding of who God is. Anytime we put our ultimate hope in another person that if, if, if I just had this, this person in my life, if my soulmate, then, then it would answer everything. No, you've made an idol of that person. If you just get enough money, you've made an idol You're making an idol of the things of the creation. And where this psalm is ultimately going, where Bob Dylan's poem ultimately goes is, don't settle for putting your hope in the things that the world offers, even the good things. There's no person, no money, no drug, nothing that can answer the deepest longing in your soul. It can only be answered by the ground of all being itself, the one who created and sustains it all. That's where hope comes from. That's where hope comes from. I tell you, in spite of how crazy the world is, I'm hopeful. Because I know God's in all of it. As we sang this morning, you were there in the questions, you were there in the doubts, you're there when I can't figure it all out. You're there in the chaos, you're there in the calm, you're there in the journey, you are my home. I'm at home with God no matter how things shift No matter how things don't work out the way that I want, I'm ultimately held by the one who created it all. And I trust in that. And that gives me hope. And when my hope starts to fade and when the walls start coming in, sometimes the most spiritual thing I can do is just stop doing anything and go outside for a little bit. And that seems counterintuitive because we got all these plates that are spinning, right? (laughs) I, I, can't, I can't stop spinning these plates. These plates need to keep spinning. No, maybe you need to take the afternoon off. Put your phone down. Lock it up. Step away from the computer. Let the very creation of God speak to you. Let it reveal to you. Let it point you to the one who created it all. That's what you experience at the Grand Canyon. That's the opposite of idolatry. That is letting creation testify to you and point you to the truth rather than worshiping the creation itself. God is in the creation. But we worship the God who created it all. This morning, I want to close by taking the Lord's Supper with one another. And I'll invite the community team up here in a second. And if this is your first time at North Shore Vineyard, we, we, we believe in taking communion together. It is our common union. And so when you approach the table, somebody's going to look you in the eye and say, this, this piece of bread, this is the body of Jesus Christ broken for you. And you take the, the bread and dip it in the cup and they will look you in the eye and say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. This is the hope, y'all. This is the hope. We need not be hopeless because the God who created and sustains everything has already stepped into our world and faced everything that we will ever face. He's already been there. We don't have to be afraid. So let's take the Lord's body and blood and we'll close with a little hymn today.
let's invite the communion team up and uh, anyone who has any any uh, movement towards Christ today, feel free to come up and partake of communion.